Here we go, Kings of the Podcast, episode 181. Dennis Bernstein, are you recovered from the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah. Uh, and I know that um, a lot of uh, Kings fans might be a uh, fan of this team, but the uh, the right team lost. <laughs> okay, might be a fan of which team? The team that lost. There's a lot of LA, a lot of LA people like the 49ers. Is that true? I guess oh, I don't keep. Oh. I don't follow it closely enough to know. There yeah. was the t- point in time though when the NFL was not in Los Angeles for right. decades. There happened. were no teams, and so yep. people had to gravitate toward other teams. You could go south, you could go Chargers, you could go north, mm-hmm. I guess, and go Forty ers But if you're a real LA sports fan, you would never think to cheer for the San Francisco Forty. You would never think to cheer for any team north of Bakersfield. <laughs> well. But if your team abandons you and moves to St. Louis, you, you go to Arizona, Dennis. You go, okay, you go, so you go to San Diego. You go somewhere. You're I mean, you go no to the other side of the country. Right. You're Pick right. the Tampa right. Bay Buccaneers for all I care. You can't. No, SoCal, <laughs> true blue SoCal. Fan. A matter of fact, I would love to hear from anybody who claims to be a Dodger fan and a 49ers fan. Oh, I'm, there's tons of them. I need you to tweet me. I need to know who you are so I can block you That's immediately. Right. That is. You cannot do that, Dennis Bernstein. You cannot. No, when you when I go to my Rams game, I would say sixty five percent of the crowd is forty ers and they're not all coming from Northern California, John. So no, there's there's a ton of Southern uh, San Francisco Forty ers fans in um, in Southern California, and for you fans, congratulations, second place again. Okay, thirty years um, since you won a Super Bowl. Way to go. Well. Those 49er fans that fill up SoFi must be Angel fans. That's the way I'm looking at it. So, Or there's San Francisco transplants who are Giants fans. I don't know, one or the other. but uh, okay. You'll see, John. Okay. Let me ask you this, then, since we're going to go down this strange rabbit hole. I, I Maybe there is, but I don't sense that there's a real uproar in Philadelphia for Kelsey's brother wearing Chiefs gear. Is there? We need to talk to your guy, Anthony DeMarco. That's the guy in Philly, yeah. right? We need to find well, out. Yeah, is there an uproar in Philly? I, I don't think so because it's Jason Kelsey. He's an all timer. He's the goat of centers. So I, I don't. But think you he's can't so wear the gear of he's your uh, br- of, of your brother. Yeah, you can. Okay, so let's think about this. Let's put this okay. in 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 Dodger context. How would you feel if I'm? This is a real question. Yeah, if yeah. Clayton Kershaw had a brother mm-hmm. who played for. Uh, they well, the Yankees. Played, I was going to say the Yankees, and I realized that you wouldn't care. Let me change that. Who played for the Kansas City Royals? But okay. see, but that's not a good example because in this case, it would be like 
the Giants. I mean, I know they're not in the same division, but didn't Philly meet Kansas City in the Super Bowl recently? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and they were they Last beat year. them, right? Yeah. Okay, so this would be like Dodgers. You know, hmm. I don't know. It's Red Sox, Giants. Somebody. It's it's a rival of a sort, yeah. and then. And Kershaw's brother plays on the team. They make it to the World Series. They pan to the suite, and there's Clayton Kershaw yeah. uh-huh. wearing yeah. the jersey of the. How would you feel yeah. at that moment? It's my brother. I don't care. Once I'm really? out, I don't care. Yeah, you wouldn't Once feel I'm dirty. Out, no, wouldn't feel dirty. Okay, it's brother. It's and they love each other. And the mom, the mom is a central focus because they do uh, chunky soup commercials with her and stuff like that. So it's oh well, then that makes everything better. They do a soup commercial. I mean, yeah, that's, they do. yeah, okay. But there's brotherly love, and the fact that he went to Buffalo and took his shirt off and was chugging beers. Yes, in the suite with uh, with Taylor Swift. No, I, I, he's so beloved in Philadelphia. I don't think that's an issue. If it was another player, fine. But the brotherly connection. No, okay, don't have all right. I don't know how I feel about it. I'll have to get back to you on that. It okay. it always feels a little odd. It doesn't irritate me. I, I just I kind of go, eh, I don't know, like eh. mm-hmm. it, it just it's a moment of pause. Um, speaking of dirty, though, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. I have long maintained Dennis Bernstein. <laughs> and you know this, that the Edmonton Oilers are the dirtiest team in the league. And they have been for decades. I'm going to go on a rant here, Dennis, because Please. I'm going to bring up the playoffs again. I've had it years ago. It is disgusting that Darnell Nurse was not suspended for the playoffs a couple of years ago. And this is not just because of my longstanding take on the Oilers. This is the NHL in general. And, uh, well, I guess semi-friend of the show, Alan Walsh, has tweeted quite a bit about uh, punishment for players. Darnell Nurse was not playing the puck uh, when he headbutted Phil Deneau. That was an intentional Intent to injury, unnecessary play, does not belong in the game of hockey. And if any other player did that, I would have the same stance. Disgusting. Mm -hmm. He should have been suspended. And they're up to their old gamesmanship. You see at the end of the game on Saturday night, uh, Quentin Byfield uh, in tow was Carl Grundstrom. But Quentin Byfield was trying to recover the game puck to give to Jim Hiller as his uh, for his first win behind the bench. And Nurse and one of the other Oilers players were refusing to give it up. And it, I don't know if they were going to come to blows or what, but the referee had to get involved yeah. to get the puck. Like, give me a break. Yeah, the other guy was Dayarnay. That was it. The doesn't guy. matter. Was like, give me a break. But I'm just. Yeah, I don't get it. It wasn't like you just lost a seven game series and that's the puck in your office. This is like, you know, a February game that really, in the big scope of thing, doesn't mean anything. Why? Why would you not want to give them the puck? I don't because they're the Oilers, Dennis. Yeah, this I get, is who I they are. That. It's really in their DNA. That. This is who they. It goes back yeah. to Chris yeah. Ponger and so many other play, Craig Muni, Craig McAvoy. Understand that it's in the water up there. <laughs> the frozen water. I, I, I don't, don't know what it is. Thirty-three. You're saying that it's minus thirty-three to rattle a couple of guys' brains, but. Yeah, I didn't get that either, John. I really didn't understand. I'm like, why would you even care about the puck? It was for nothing. It's not like you lost an overtime, right? The I game know. was over. I, 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 yes, you're 100%. I had that down on my list of things. Okay. Not Saturday. So, yes, for those of you that don't know, we put a lot of prep into the uh, show. We get together, we press record, and then we just uh, have fun. So, it was on uh, both of our lists. That's good. That yeah. means it's an important topic if we both had it on our list. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, there were other ahead. things that happened in that game, DB. Uh, did you have more to say about the, the puck incident? No, nothing more about the puck incident. Okay. So you can um, continue, and I have one more. Th- there's yeah, more sorry. from that game. 
Let's go back a little bit, though. Let's rewind. We haven't done a show in a couple of days. Um, the press conference took place on Thursday. I'm kind of over press conferences at this point, by yeah. the way, Dennis. Like, let's just get like on the with the season. They had chairs for us, though, John. They we did. were able to sit down. And a new podium for Jim Hiller on top yes, of that. He said he had nothing to do with that clear, <laughs> clear, whatever. For 99.9% of our audience, you have no idea what we're talking about. But the the press conference, and it's really not a press conference because there was a practice on Thursday. So it was your normal um it was a post introduction yeah but it was okay, introduction so that's why all right so for this thing that that happened in um <laughs> one of the locker rooms uh because there were more than the normal contingent of media as it was jim hiller's introduction to the la media um there were chairs normally we just sit on the benches when it's moved yeah, to that locker room stand around whatever uh stand around yeah whatever but uh, it was very formal uh so rob koch and his staff uh put some chairs together rather nice and then uh, for the post-game press conference on Saturday, they replaced the podium in the room. Yes. Um, I guess if you watch the video feed on Bally Sports, and, and if you ever paid attention to the podium, why would you? But if you ever did, you will notice that the podium that Todd McClellan used to speak at uh, had been replaced with the new podium. So <laughs> it's it's a lot of changes, fresh coat of paint, you know? Yeah, maybe, maybe, or maybe because the Clippers have played earlier in the day, maybe the Clippers took that one. Could we go to the visitors' dressing room? Maybe they took that one, and this was a substitute. But Jim said he had nothing to do with the replacement, so it wasn't about changing their luck through trading podiums at post-game media availabilities. Yes. That's if you believe coaches in their post-game press conferences that he had nothing to do with it. For all we know, it could have been a requirement, a demand when he accepted the job. Look, I'll take this gig, but you need to replace the podium. I need new juju in the post-game. I don't know. Moving on. Um, going back to the Thursday press conference of the introduction of Jim Hiller, yeah. uh, I think some people were disappointed that there wasn't um, big announcements of change. We're, we're, right. we're changing line combinations and we're moving to a 296 instead of a 124. It's like locker <laughs> combinations. Um, there, there wasn't an announcement of change. Really, what there was, the theme more than anything was connection, which mm-hmm. built upon Rob Blake's yes. um, press conference where he said the team had been playing disconnected for 24 games yep. or over that, that course of that. So connection and um, fun was a big theme as well. Like, hey, let's have some fun. Let's be positive. Let's get these guys in the right mindset. And uh, so there was a lot of motivation rather than uh, strategy, X's yeah. and O's. Mm-hmm. What did you think walking away from that um, press conference? What did well, you take on that? What team has fun when you win three of 17? Right? Uh, it's the chicken and the egg. Like, you're not going to have fun when you're losing consistently and there's a lot of pressure on the team. I'm sure the ten- there was tension around the, the team without question. Again, this team was built to contend. They played anything but like a contender. So, yeah, if it lightens the load and lightens the mood for the players and they had time to breathe because they were during the bye weeks, the timing was, I think, opportunistic with respect to uh, just this, just processing everything. If you're a player, I'm coming back. I was with a guy. And some of these guys really emerged on the tie. A guy like, you know, Trevor Moore, right? Like, has he processed? This is a guy who really helped me to to get to achieve a lot of my potential. So He watched uh, him in college. So, I mean, th- that that's yeah. a tight connection. He watched yeah. him at DU when he was at Denver. So the, the roots go deep, uh, Compared to a player like Dubois, who had been with them for you know four or five months, yes, yeah, your point is and, well taken. And, and it, this wasn't like Jim Hiller was appointed in in June and he had four months to get ready. This is nothing he planned for, John. <laughs> so I I don't know how much he could come to the media with with respect to this was something that was he might have seen the writing on the wall, but he, even if he did, maybe he's thinking, okay, so Yanni be would get you know because he's 
you know, the connection with Todd. So I, I don't know how much he could have prepared to say, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is going to implement. This is really kind of on the fly coaching change. And so appropriately, I don't think he had that much to say, but in the coming days, we'll see. The, the part that was the most telling to me um, or interesting um, was when Hiller was talking about the fact that it was difficult to celebrate. That, that he was having a diff. I'm paraphrasing again, so mm-hmm, nobody sure. needs to go back and look up the quotes exactly, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And if you think I get it wrong, Dennis, by all means, jump in. But he essentially was saying, look, I'm having a difficult time uh, processing this. And I'm, I'm working my way through it, but I'm having a difficult time processing the emotions of all this. Right. Because in a certain way, I'm dancing on the grave of my friend. Sure. And this is not the emotions that I expected to feel for years, right? He sat right. at home, he's been in his hammock or in his beanbag or in his, you know, whatever, in his couch, and he's daydreaming about the day that he becomes a head coach in the National Hockey League. He, he rode the buses in junior. He was a head coach for 10 years. He was an assistant coach in Toronto and with the Islanders and all this stuff. And he dreamt of the day that mm-hmm. he would get the phone call to become a head coach in the National Hockey League. And like you said, Dennis, the thoughts going through his mind in the 10 days prior might have been, am I going to have a job? If they turf Todd, do I get turfed as well? Do they bring in a whole new guy? And who, uh, Or are they going to bring somebody in and I have a new boss? So his thoughts might have been different. And all of a sudden now it's like he's supposed to be happy and he's getting these congratulatory Mm -hmm. text messages and phone calls from even people he went to high school with that he hadn't talked to in a long time, he said, which was funny. So he's getting all of these congratulatory messages, but it is sort of a weird feeling because he's reconciling like, Hey, I have a lot of respect for Todd McClellan. He's the guy who brought me to Los Angeles and the guy who I've spent a lot of time with probably more time than his own family over the last 18 months. And that's, that's a difficult thing to sort of reconcile. I'm sure he'll get over it in the days to come, but it was fresh on Thursday. Well, he got the job because somebody failed, right? That's yeah. that's the bottom line, which uh, you don't care. This is your opportunity. Stand up and shine. Like, But know, he was like part of the failure. Let, let's look yeah, at it yeah, that well, way, too. That, he true. was part of the failure, yeah. so you're being yeah. rewarded yeah. partially it, it, for failing. It, it's not the optimal way you want to get into a job, but you know what? In in, in any way, like you got to go yeah. do it. Now, now you have your opportunity, and you have, you know, you have a talented team. You got to turn it around. And it started on Saturday, but now it's going to continue. So, yeah, it's it's not the best of circumstances to step into a role like that. But, you know, who's stepping into a good situation with an interim, you know, as an interim coach? No one is, right? Yeah. It's usually something's gone wrong. And you're right. He was party to it, right? And it was – and the offense stopped scoring. So it's not blaming Jim in, in total. But you know what? It doesn't matter at this point. You got to go out and you have your opportunity and you got to turn this team around. Yeah, I, I don't think he was asking for a pity party or anything. I just no, thought no, that it was no, no, no. it was a very raw emotional moment that I think in the moment, at least it felt to me, that it kind of went, I don't want to say over people's heads, but it kind of just, it, it went by the wayside. Like mm-hmm. people yeah. seemed to not focus on that because they would rather focus on Dubois and the goaltending and all of yes. the other stuff and that we were asking him about. Um, but to me, that's what stuck with me. When it was over, I was like, wow, that's such a good point. Like we don't think about that. You know, we don't no, think we don't. about what he must have been going through. Um, and look, guys, I don't care how much of a tough guy you are. Thoughts and feelings and emotions are still part of the human of body. And he was dealing with this. So it's interesting. All right. So moving on. So there weren't going to be a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. He basically was content. This is the other thing. I, it was a subtle comment to me. I love subtleties and I love pulling at those threads. He basically said, 
We're going to go into the game on Saturday with the same lineup that we've been using. And then when Arvidsson comes back, that's when we'll start to make some changes. Mm -hmm. And you guys may or may not notice what we're doing. I thought Mm -hmm. that that was a really interesting thing because leading into Saturday, I was, I had been wondering, well, what are those changes besides where are you going to play Arvidsson? Is he then going to mix the lines up? Is he then going to break up Deneau's line? What does he have planned? And then I think we sort of saw it, Dennis, because I don't buy the post-game explanation on Saturday that Deneau just happened to get more Mm -hmm. minutes. I Mm -hmm. I refuse to believe that. Um, I think it was more intentional. Deneau played two or three more minutes than Kopitar. He did. And, and Hiller tried to say after the game that it was situational and it was it was penalty kills and this and that, but not really because you chose to match Deneau against yeah. the big boys on Edmonton, and therefore he was by design going to play more minutes. Your your reaction to that? God, I sound well, like Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Reaction. reaction. <laughs> Kopitar kills penalties too. Last time I checked, so it can't be that right. <laughs> right. And they took and they took what five penalties? Did you like that little? Oh, it's not perfect. Who's responsible for the too too many men on the ice penalties, bro? Yes, that was one of my favorite questions. Kudos to you. Uh, I also loved his answer, by the way, for those that don't know what was said. So DB asked him who was responsible for those too many men on the ice. And he took ownership, but he was going to pass along some of it. He was going to share, which I thought was great. He didn't name names, but he certainly had a few on the tip of his tongue. He was about to share, though, but he did not. He was. Yeah, we waited 30 seconds more. He said sharesies. So uh, to change, yeah, I I don't know what you change in your first game. And I agree. The, The... the Arvidsson return is getting now kind of, you know, much, much larger in scope and importance. And that's where the changes come. I don't think you're going to change much on the defense. All the people wanted to change, change, and, you know, and Brand Clark sat out again. So, you know, the organization believes in both guys. So it's simple as that. And, of course, uh, I don't know. I, I get the penalty kill, and you don't want to throw a player back in there. I've never seen I, – I, it's been a long time, John, since I saw a uh, time on ice line that said three minutes. Yeah, the Turcotte usage the was interesting. Um, I don't recall anything that he did that would have deserved a benching. And uh, Hiller he got banged said, up. Did he get banged up in the first? I, not that I recall. Okay. I, nothing, nothing stuck with me. And, okay. and Jim said that there was nothing – Hiller said that – it was just situational and that he felt that he didn't want to put him back in in that penalty kill, you know, type situation. But again, I mean, don't want to pick apart everything he said, but there were non penalty kill minutes that were available <laughs> at some point. Were. You could have yeah. you could have it's slid okay. him into the game, maybe given him a shift. I don't know. It will be interesting to see going into the road trip and the next set of games, which we'll get to oh, in yeah. just a little bit here. Yeah. Um, but let's close things out on the uh, on the Edmonton game. Mm-hmm. You needed a win. Um, I asked the question uh, to you as we were walking to the press conference. I don't know who needed that win more. Rob Blake, Jim Hiller, uh, Dubois Dubois. or or Riddick. One of those four people. um, But they got a win, an important win, not just a win, a convincing win over a team that they really owed. Because if you go back to late December, coming out of the Christmas break, yeah, I hate to bring up old games. I'm really ready to turn the page here, Dennis. But they were up two nothing in that game against yep, Edmonton. Yeah, and this I think Edmonton had won like five in a row or whatever it was at that point. That was near mm-hmm. the beginning of the streak. But the Kings yep. were up two nothing in that game in the first period. They gave up two goals to Edmonton to tie the game, and they eventually lost that game uh, in overtime or a shootout. I forget. Shoot I think up. it was overtime. Yeah. Was it a shootout? Okay, yeah. I just knew it was more than sixty minutes. So they eventually lost that game four three. 
um, or three, two, whatever it was. But the point was they owed them because they should have won that game. And that was sort of the, the writing was on the wall at that point of what was to come, because although it was the Islander game that probably broke the Kings, mm-hmm. that was when they were giving up those two goal leads. They should have yeah. beaten the Oilers. Anyway, this was a statement game. Um, they beat the Oilers. They beat them convincingly. They shut them out. They were mm-hmm. able to get the goaltending that they needed. They were able to get production from Dubois. You had Deneau playing heavier minutes. There was a lot to like in this game, Dennis. You, you kind of want to bottle that up and do it again, but there really was a lot to like in the Kings' victory over the Oilers. Yeah, and Riddich was great. You know, he made a couple of huge saves on, uh, I think, Perry and on uh, Zach Hyman. And, yeah, they did what they had to do. They they played the way they needed to play. And, I, look, when I looked at the schedule coming out of the breaker, this is probably the last team you want to play, the way they're playing. Absolutely. Just the position between these two. I'm like, okay, if they lose this game 4-1, it's fine. It's what, and it, it, here's the thing, John, and we could talk about this as we step into the schedule. Into the schedule, like this can't be like what happened with the Rangers game. They won that game, and then behind that, they couldn't deliver, and that's why Todd's no longer the coach. I do want to say one other thing about the game on Saturday, um, and again, it's about our fans. There's the one guy that came by, and he didn't even identify himself. So I didn't get his name. Uh, cool cat, shaved head, glasses. He goes, <laughs> I know who you're talking about. He goes, you know what? Every Kings fan needs to listen to your podcast, and then they need to shut the bleep up. Yes, that was that was fantastic. And that then he walked away, like he and didn't even walk away. It drop. was like a mic drop, and he walked away. I was like, "Oh, yeah. thanks, buddy." Yes. So, so that's for all, for the for the fringe fans that I call donkeys. There's there's a a hundred times, you know, the fan that that guy is than the guys that may take shots at us. So I wanted to thank him for the support and thank everybody for the support, either online or in person. It's always great to see. Yeah, and several people did come by, fist bumps, handshakes, hellos, all the normal stuff uh, at the elevators. Craig Johnson jersey, or that was Matt Johnson. A Matt Johnson Johnson jersey, jersey. yes, which is epic. Uh, He wore two numbers. He wore 17 and 34, and that was was an actual – that wasn't like a a, a new jersey that had been retro. That was from the 90s. That was a hardcore, awesome Matt Johnson jersey, yes. Um, So it was great. I I love seeing the fans. It was great. You know, with uh, the team being gone for 10 days, you know, um, and really not a lot of home games in the month of January, we haven't seen a lot of these people. So it was nice. To see them and so thank you to everybody that stopped by and i'm going to be uh by the time that most people listen to this podcast it probably will have already happened but i'm doing an ama on reddit yep, uh, this that. afternoon yep. this is being recorded on monday and uh it'll be great to interact with a lot of king's fans love hearing their questions uh so it'll be it'll be great dennis as we turn the page and look ahead to the um to the road trip i'm rather sure. interested in the goaltending rotation because right. they play tuesday thursday saturday sunday if i remember so there's only one correct uh, back to back, and that would be over the weekend against the Bruins and the Penguins. First up on Tuesday night, they play the Sabers and Smurf, uh, which will be mm-hmm. great. And then Thursday, they play the Devils. And I think you're going to be at that game in New Jersey, right? I am. Yeah, we're going to do stadium series. We're going to do pregame for Sirius XM both days, so six to eight on Friday night or Saturday night, and then one to three on Sunday afternoon. So, and when I originally scheduled the flight, I'm going to land at five, whatever, going to stay in Manhattan, and I'm like. Have some sushi. Yeah, well, we can get into that in a sec. <laughs> um, so uh, I looked at the schedule. Wait a minute. The, the Kings are in Jersey? So I just moved up my flight. I'll land at three. Uh, Panyol will be wrong for the ride. So we'll probably go pick up our credentials for Stadium Series and then drive over to Newark for the game. So looking forward to, to, to being at the Rock on Thursday night ahead of the Stadium Series. 
All right, so back to the schedule. Overall, four games on this road trip before they come back home. They're going to play in Buffalo on Tuesday, in New Jersey on Thursday, and then the back-to-backs over the weekend. Now, a month ago, I would have told you that Cam Talbot was going to get three of the four starts on the trip and that the backup goalie would get one of the two games over the weekend. Now, I've really been thinking about this since Saturday, DB. I think there's a number of different ways that you could go. You could could do a 50-50 split. So you could go back to Riddick Mm -hmm. in the Buffalo game. You want to get Talbot a start at some point. So you could go Talbot against the Devils and then know that they're going to get a split over the weekend. So it'd be two and two out of the four games. The other way that you could go is you could go, if Riddick was able to get the win in Buffalo, you go back to Riddick again in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. and then you would split the games over the weekend, which ends up with Riddick getting three of the four games, Talbot only getting one start in what would feel like about a month um, when you add in the 10-day break and everything else. I'm just curious, obviously, the game in Buffalo would dictate a lot of this, I believe. Um, but without having played that game, just looking at it on paper while the team is on the pl- on the, the plane. Uh, well, no, actually, they landed yesterday. So while the team is in Buffalo preparing for the game on Tuesday, what would be your thoughts heading into it? How would you use the goaltenders over those four games? Well, I think what Ritz has played going coming out of the, into the break, he's played three straight, right? He played in St. Louis. He played in Nashville. Now he played against Edmonton. I think what you don't want to do, John, is what happened with Cam, which is I think is overusage. So now, do you want to overuse David Riddich? I'm not sure. I think you do two and two. Yeah, uh, un- unless unless Cam's performance in whatever the first game is is well, is Cam's Cam's first game, in my opinion, would be the Devils game because Thursday, I think you yeah. have to go back to Riddick. Yeah. Um, following the shutoff, yep, you have to go back to Riddick in Buffalo, and then I think just got a rhythm going. Normal game, whatever that means. If it's a normal game and he played the full game, then I think you go to Talbot in New Jersey. That would be what I would do. Mm -hmm. And then you have to split over the weekend. And to me, I don't think that today I could tell you how I would do the split between Boston and Pittsburgh. I would want to see how Riddick plays in Buffalo, and I would want to see how Talbot plays in New Jersey. And then the quote-unquote better of the two would probably be the one who starts against the Bruins, and then the other one starts against the Penguins. Do you like it that way, or do you want to flip-flop it? No, I don't want to flip-flop, but you know they're not out of the forest yet, John. It's just one win, right? I mean, this Very important point. I, I, I wrote this in my last piece. The next seven games are critical. I'm not going to call them must-wins, but they are so critical here, John. They've got a lot of winnable games in the next seven. Like I don't know what happened here against Buffalo. Buffalo, New Jersey's under 500. They can't get a goalie. The Bruins game's going to be difficult. Penguins can be beatable. And then you come home and play Columbus, Nashville, and Anaheim. John, you got to go five and two, like at least, I think. You know, you got you got to get points here. You can't you can't go through what you went through before Todd was fired, which is you're losing you're losing to underachieving teams. And I, I listed these teams. It's just look, here's the thing. Like this that next homestand on the 20th, like you gotta win all three games. Columbus and Anaheim are two to three. And you already beat Nashville once. So the next two weeks go a long, long way. You have to build off this one. So one thing you didn't do with that Ranger win. Um, and again, this is a, Yep, yep. And yeah. this is a team, like you mentioned, like Edmonton's given them fits for the next three years. You find a really com- – and, and I don't care that they were on a back-to-back Edmonton. You saw Connor McDavid. You, you saw that. You put that <laughs> clip up and breaking the stick against the bench. Like that game means something to him. It should mean something to this team, and they need to play the connected way they did again. I'm not sure the lineup's going to change much, and I'm just really, really. In- I think John, if you're if you're depth chart gigs, I, I think everyone's waiting for 
for Arverton to get back in the lineup to see what the line combinations are. But these, mm-hmm. these are critical, critical games. Because if you really want to stamp yourself as a contender, and the weird thing, John, is, and I tweeted this and some knucklehead from Edmonton said, nah, it's not really the same. They're three points behind Edmonton. With all that's gone on, like when you look at these two teams, they're three points apart, and Edmonton has a game in hand. They can still get to the top three. But you got to go five and two on this trip. If you're going to go four and four or four and three or two and five, then you're really sweating out a wild card. These are super critical games. Well, interestingly enough, at the end of that seven game run, four games on the road, three games at home, the eighth game is in Edmonton. Edmonton so yeah. it's basically and that's a tough seven stretch. Games. They go to Western yeah. Canada. That's going to be tough. Oh, absolutely. That trip is. Edmonton, Edmonton Calgary, yeah. uh, Vancouver. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that is definitely, that's a tough trip. So these next seven it's are certainly interesting. Critical. Exactly. Um, Victor Arvidsson. Sure. Where where would you slot him in? Uh, we did something on Mayor's Manor. I'm, hold on just a second. Let me tee yeah, this sure. up. We yeah. had an interesting article on yep, Mayor's Manor, the type yeah. of article that we normally don't do because we do more news-based stuff or breaking mm-hmm. news. Um, when we're when we're doing things that aren't news, it's typically like salary cap related or it's a report yep. off of something that we're hearing. This was really more opinion based than anything else. This was not one of those like, hey, we privately surveyed 12 players and here's yeah. what they thought. This was just, hey, there are a bunch of writers at mayorsmanor.com now, by the way, shout out to the three or four new interns that we brought on this year. They're really doing an amazing job providing content. Um, so we got together and just said, hey, uh, you know, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And we tried to put sort of an amalgamation of things together. Um, what do you do with Victor Arvidsson? Do you mm-hmm. simply slot him in alongside Dubois or do you uh, put him back with Phil Deneau and Trevor Moore, which would mean that you move Kevin Fiala most likely down with Dubois because you're probably mm-hmm. not breaking up the line of Byfield, Kopitar and Kempe. And oh, by the way, mixed in with all of that, Dennis, I do want to remind everybody that Dubois was brought in essentially to be a second line center, not a third line center. So right. that that's also just sort of been one of those storylines that's been buried with all of the other stuff that's happened. But that, I'm I'm curious to watch that development here over the balance of the season. So anyway, your thoughts on Victor Arvidsson and where you slot him in. I tend to want to put him uh, with Dubois rather than uh, put him up with the line, uh, uh, you mm-hmm. know, with Phil Deneau and Trevor Moore. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that he scored a goal, in the win against Edmonton, Dubois needs the help. So, yeah. And he's a playmaker. He's not just a shooter. He makes plays for, for both him and his line mates. Like, and his IQ is really high. He doesn't make bad plays. I, I'm not putting Fayala back with Dubois. It just doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. Two risky players not going to do that. I think. Does it, I mean, let me just challenge that for a second. Does it not work? Like, have we seen enough, a large enough body of work? that it doesn't work or did it just not work initially and would it perhaps work better now? Just a question. It might, it might. It's my opinion. I I don't, I want to, you know, people, the one complaint that people have had that may have some legitimacy about the is that the the quality of the wingers. Well, if you put him with a guy who, what was the second leading power play scorer on the team last year and he had 60 something points, well, then that goes away. Right. So the, 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 the the one last excuse that you have for this player's lack of production is the quality of his wingers. I want to see what he does with that player. Could you move him up? Yeah, absolutely. You could move Fiala. That it just it never clicked though. It's never you can can't say to me, John, that Dubon and Fiala together they had a nice stretch of four games or five games where they produced. They never did. So I'd rather take my chances with Arvidsson. Uh, plus, if that's the quote unquote third line, are you really going to put Arvidsson out there seventeen? If Phil Deneau's playing eighteen minutes a, a night. 
now, and you're going to put Arvidsson on the line, you really want to bring back Arvidsson now playing that level of play? I'd rather play him 15 minutes a night on the third line with with Dubois than go and say, okay, now right off the jump, you're going to play 18 or 19 minutes. I want to ask you this. Yeah. What do you think about moving Dubois to the wing and having him play on the Deneau line so it's Dubois, Deneau, and more? You then drop Byfield down to the third line as the center, and that's where Ardvidsson slots in is alongside Byfield. Uh, Byfield had a great game on Saturday as a I, left wing. He's a yeah. left wing. Don't mess yeah. that up. I I didn't like it the first time. I won't like it the second or third time. He's accomplished everything as a left wing. Leave him there. Don't don't brick that. Don't. <laughs> that's the last guy you want to move, John. Yeah, that's the last guy. I'd yeah. re- you know, Kempe hasn't really done great lately, to be honest with you. He's, he's not that savage goal scorer he was last season. It's not a criticism. I'd rather move Kempe. Yeah. To be honest with you. No, I, leave Quentin Byfield. He's finally got there. He finally got to the promised land. Leave him at left wing. I don't like that move at any point in time. It may come to necessity, John, at some point, but not right now, not in the moment. How about moving Kempe then and going uh, with Kempe and Arvidsson on a line with Dubois? Mm, that's interesting. That's really interesting, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'd sign for that in the short term. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Laffy, in that type of a situation, having to potentially move him up to play on the top line, did you you have an issue? I mean, it certainly raised a lot of eyebrows, mine included, but did you have an issue with it when you saw it in action? Not what you thought on paper, but when you saw it on action, in action. Well, How are you feeling? If people are still lamenting the absence of Alex Ayafalo, who did play on the top line and was a puck hunter sometimes, mm-hmm. then no. If Laffy's role is going to be first on the forecheck, aggressiveness on the you know, and playing responsible two way game, he could fit up there. Do I expect a bonanza goal scoring wise? I don't. But yeah, I, I, he's such a, and Joan, Now we have to start talking about Lazat's coming back. So when Lazat comes back. Yeah, he's starting to skate. So okay. yeah, we'll see. So, uh, but moving Laffy up, no, I have no problem with it. And the question is, what is Victor, what is uh, what is already Calia fell in all of this? Right? I mean, he's not happy. Got scratched again. So it wasn't a, just a, a a singular coaching decision. It was more like a group coaching decision. Is he going to ever be an impact player? Is he going to destined to be the thirteenth forward for the balance of the season? I don't know. I think that what happens going forward, I mean, we talk a lot about this upcoming road trip and Victor Arvidsson's probably going to slide in, if not in the Buffalo game, then potentially in the game in Jersey. Um, you would have timed that very well, Dennis. That would be your luck, by the way. So thank you for going to, thank you for flying all the way to New Jersey to cover the return of Victor Arvidsson. I do appreciate that. Uh, that's the headline. But if there is a sub headline, it's what's going on with Kaliev because the scratch wasn't, very telling to me only because Hiller had said, look, we're pretty much going to go with the same lineup. Same lineup so yeah. I wasn't that worried about it, but I'll tell you what I would be worried about. If Kaliev doesn't get in several of the games on this upcoming road trip, mm-hmm. then I'm really scratching my head and yeah. going, okay, what's the future of this player in Los Angeles? So agreed. But again, you're coming off a shutout and just traditional head coach superstitions. You're not going to change the lineup going into Buffalo. So Kaliev could be out of the lineup again, which again now limits the, the options because there would only be three games at that point remaining on the road trip. And if the team gets on a roll, Kaliev might be iced out yeah. really due to 
nothing necessarily that he has done or didn't do, but really just because of outside factors. It's a very interesting situation to watch. Somebody's mm-hmm. coming out of the lineup, though, if Arvidsson's yeah. ready. So even if they go on a roll and win a couple, Somebody when Arvidsson's ready, he's out. going back in because, you know, you don't lose your spot in the lineup due to injury. But they only have one extra. Rob said they're only going to have one extra player. So, well, no, hold on, though, real quickly. That is that is if they don't put Lazat on LTIR. And I, I do mm-hmm. want to clarify this for everybody, yeah, because ahead. when you put a player on LTIR, he has to miss 28 games, but it's not 28 games uh, or 28, 28 days, days or 10 yeah, games. Not 28 days from the day they put him on LTIR because they can backdate it. So backdate it, right. if they That's announce right. today, for example, that Lazat's been moved to LTIR, it's not 28 days from today going forward. They can backdate it to the date that he went first went on IR. That's only going to buy them about a week or so, though, because Mm -hmm. if Lazat comes back in a week or 10 days or whatever it is, then then at that point, they would be down to one player. But it does make cap sense if Lazat's not ready the day that RV is ready. It does make cap Mm -hmm. sense to put to put Lazat on LTIR and give yourself a little bit of breathing room. But back to Artie. So if when Victor comes back, he's at best their seventh best winger, which puts him on the fourth line, which. And I know people, for some reason, John, this all this hate that's accumulated on Jared Anderson Dolan for the, I, I don't know why, but all of a sudden it has, right? Jared Anderson Dolan's better suited in that role than Victor uh, than Arthur Kaliev. He is. If he's going to play it on fourth line, like unless Artie starts hitting every shot on the back of the net, which he hasn't done all season, he's shooting seven and a half percent, which is basically on him. You could talk about positioning or whatever. Like you got to put the puck on the net. Jared Anderson Nolan, if he's going to play an energy role on the fourth line, like that's not Victor. That's not I keep seeing Victor, That's not um, that's not Arthur Kaliev. It's not. So he might be the odd man out. And if he is, I don't know. I agree with you. His his destiny in L.A. is going to come down to the next three months. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really unfortunate that he was not able to for either the coach's reason or his own reasons or some combination thereof. But the opportunity, Dennis, you don't get the opportunity on a veteran-laden team to showcase yourself. And he had an opportunity to showcase himself with Arvidsson being sidelined right. in the first half of the season. 100%. He could have forced the issue absolutely John. on what they do with him and what they do with number 33. And instead, he's now a healthy scratch. So it's not a good situation. Um and and you want to try to find a, a solution out of that, which, again, I think the only way to really solve it is to get him back in the lineup, which circles back to what we were just talking about. How do you get him and when do you get him back in the lineup yeah. if the team continues to win? And you already have to find a way to get Victor Arvidsson in the lineup. So if Arvidsson slides in, that's one less player, you know, one less of the 12 slots that are available. And now you're talking about trying to get Kaliev in there, too. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, oh, geez. And then even if Lazat is healthy. Now that's a third player that you're trying to get back into the lineup. So welcome to head coaching, uh, Jim Hill. Exactly. Welcome to death chart. The one, I think, saving grace for Artie is that um, he's had chemistry with Lazat, right? I mean, he had 13 goals in 56 games last year. He was productive in that role, right? Not so much this year. So maybe the absence of of Lazat has has affected him. But uh, again, a guy who's... Basically, a one-way player who's a goal scorer has six and thirty-eight. It's not good enough. So it's like I said, the next three months are, are critical for his his tenure here in LA. Yes, it's going to be interesting. And then you also have the Alex Turcott situation, and you know, is there yeah. a spot for him 
in this lineup. And if there is, they're going to have to make some some serious decisions yep. about some other players that there won't be room for. Uh, you know, even if you were to send Laffy down, because I've seen a lot of that on social media yep. as well. Oh, you know, send him down. You know, you are getting into that time of the year where guys are having to play more games than they've played before. Dennis, he was sure. a college hockey player yep. the last couple of years. You're right, John. You know, 82 games is a really big step up from from where you were when you were at Harvard. So, you know, there's a guy that either you could send down to the AHL and or you could carry as your 13th forward so that he sort of rotates in and out, you know, and you don't give him the heavy workload. But there doesn't there hasn't appeared to be a drop in his play uh, yet to the point where you could go, well, you know, he, he needs to sit for a while. Um, they have other issues besides besides 78. You said on the defense that you didn't see any reason to change the defense. I, I still would like to see Gavrikov with Dowdy. I'd like to see Mikey Anderson drop down. This is not a criticism of Mikey Anderson. You know mm-hmm. what I feel about the player. Of course. Uh, it's just really, I, I want to see a different look and see what else they have because you always want to know what your plan B is. And they almost don't seem to have a plan B when it comes to defense. They've no. really run out the You're same. Right. I mean, yep. other than swapping out Spence and Clark and on occasion you would, you would see one of those two, you know, get some extra minutes. It was almost like they were being double shifted rather than yep. giving England minutes, but essentially it's the same six guys throughout the year. I'd like to see what would Gavrikov with Dowdy look like and what would that do for a second pair? Could you go, Clark and Mikey Anderson. I don't know. It's an interesting thing that I'd like to see. Yeah. And not for nothing. Um, Anderson and Dowdy, they, their uh, advanced statistics in the Edmonton game weren't good. They weren't good. They got created a little bit with respect to Corsi. And I think they had like 14 shots against and six, four when they were on the ice at five on five. So, so Dennis, there is have a. You, have you followed it game by game? Because it it is interesting. They run really hot or really yeah, cold. Yeah. They're like lights out. I'm talking about Anderson and Dowdy. They're yep. lights out, mm-hmm. or they're like, "Ooh, that was yep. scary." Regardless was, of win or loss, I'm talking about yeah. like what you are the the underlying statistics on them. They run really hot and cold. It's 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 been interesting. Yeah, um, I don't think I'm at that point, John. I, I wouldn't be against it, uh-huh. but there's got to be some continuity. I'm not flipping that. And they did shut out the the, the opposition yeah. in the last game. So, but I, I could see it. If there's a stretch of games, then I I think that at this point you got to be open to it. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. be against it. But I think right now for some continuity, I would wait till let's say middle of the road trip. If they have a couple more games like that where they get cratered with respect to you know scoring chances or shots, then maybe you want to do it. And I wouldn't be against it. But like right now, I'd hold I'd hold Pat. So I, I get. No, I think that's time. a I think that's a fair comment to give you yeah. have some continuity on the defense as we know there are or we expect at the very least that there are some changes coming at forward. Keep the D together for continuity mm-hmm. purposes. You yeah. don't have to change everything all at once. And and when he said the, about being connected, like now you're going to break everything down. The the lack of the likelihood of being a well connected team when you're changing a lot especially on defense, it, it, you run a risk there, which I'm not willing to do at this yeah. point. It, it, that, that talk of connection is also why it makes the most sense to put Arvidsson on the line yep. with Dubois. 100%. That way, that the, essentially, the top two lines um, stay intact. And then you, 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 know, you make a slight change, which would be considered an upgrade from an offensive standpoint to the right. Dubois line. And of course, it does have a trickle-down effect, most likely to the fourth line. But sure. you have the most amount of connection, where if you change the Dubois line, Excuse me. If you change the Deneau line, then you're talking about making changes to three lines because yeah. 
Arvidsson would change that line and then somebody would drop down to play with Dubois. That would change that line and then that would have a trickle down effect to the fourth line. Yeah. So it will be interesting. Four games coming up on the road trip, Dennis. Um, it all starts in Buffalo on Tuesday and then you join up with the team on Thursday in New Jersey. Any parting thoughts? Nope. Just uh, you have to build off of that Edmonton win. You can't have a situation like you did a couple of weeks ago. You'll be back in the same uh, situation with the specter worrying about wildcard teams instead of top three in the Pacific. Well, hopefully uh, they have a chip on their shoulder as well, because they owe just like they owed Edmonton a victory yep. uh, after what happened in, in late December. They really owe Buffalo, too, after that collapse. And uh, hopefully Drew Doughty's comments after this Buffalo game will not be anywhere near what they were like after the last Buffalo game. Uh, travel safe, and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the Kings on the road. <laughs>